You're listening to the Gab Street Podcast, Columbus, Ohio's number one podcast for underground talent. Every week we have new conversations with interesting individuals who contribute to the Columbus economy and its lively culture. You may find just what you're looking for right in your backyard. Let's get right into it. Gab Street listeners, pedestrians, welcome back for another week of the Gab Street Podcast your number one podcast for underground talent in Columbus, Ohio. We are at episode 94 today, and we have a guest that a lot of you already know of, most likely, uh, because of her role with a very important venue to all of you. Um, Her name is Lydia Simon. Say hello. Excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Thank you for agreeing to do an interview. It's good to hear from you again. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Lydia is the person I coordinated with to throw uh, the best party that ever happened in the city, frankly, uh, the, the Gab Street anniversary party last February. So um, she was instrumental in making that happen really well. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask you... A lot has been going on when it comes to Wild Goose Creative in the last few months, um, especially mm-hmm. making changes because of COVID. Uh, and would you uh, mind giving us a timeline of uh, from the beginning of COVID up to now as to what's been happening with the nonprofit? Sure. Yeah, I will just um, speak briefly a little bit about Wild Goose for those of you who may not know who we are. Um So Wild Goose Creative is a nonprofit community arts organization. We have been operating since 2008. And our previous location was at Summit Street uh, on the corner of Summit and Hudson. And we were there since the beginning. Um, And we offer over 320 events a year connecting arts and audiences in Central Ohio. And we've had basically everything happen in our space. Um, creatively related. We're very multidisciplinary in terms of the events and the programs that we offer. Uh, So the the podcast party is a great example of that. Um, We do fashion shows, pop-up shows, gallery openings, um, theater, storytelling performances, and all of that. So, I mean, we really do exist as a place to bring people together. And that is the heart of what we do. And we build community through in-person events. So it has been a very, very, very challenging year for us, anyone in the arts, frankly. Um, All arts institutions and cultural institutions are the bread and butter of what they do is in-person events. So um, it has been a unique challenge that has offered some rewards um, with, with COVID, but ultimately, I mean, it, it has been really hard because just from the revenue side alone, we are able to subsidize the cost of rent for creative programs and, um, and, and artists that rent the space. We're able to offer discounted rent, uh, rent to those folks because we rent the space out um, to private rentals and things like that. And so that amount of income, like not not having that this year, because I think we had two event rentals in the past eight 
or nine months is is very very devastating um so because of that we had launched a capital campaign october of 2019 to expand to a second location in franklinton um franklinton for those of you who aren't familiar is the arts district i would say i wouldn't even say up and coming anymore it really is the arts district of columbus and so we always wanted to be in franklinton i think strategically it was a great fit for us and we were also running out of space at the time we had events happening every single night we were turning artists away we just needed a second location to accommodate all of that and so we launched capital campaign we successfully fundraised over twenty-five thousand dollars through a, a kickstarter um and then COVID happened and we could not afford two spaces. Uh, we just couldn't. And so we had to make the really hard decision to close our location on Summit Street and have since moved to Franklinton. So right now we are in the Bridge Gallery at 400 West Rich, which is our temporary space as we wait for um, the uh, permanent space across the street to open, most likely in April or May. So all of these changes happened in the course of a few months. Um, we moved in, I believe it was August of this year. So lots of bittersweet, uh, uh, you know, memories that, that we all shared. I mean, that, that space on Summit has meant so much for so many people. You know, we've had artists start their careers there and um, throw so many amazing events that it was definitely, definitely sad for for a lot of people but I think there's so much excitement and there's so much creativity that we can leverage here in Franklinton that we weren't necessarily able to on Summit Street so um, I'm really excited for the future but that's the main timeline of COVID <laughs> this year <laughs> for us well thank you for sharing that um yeah. I, th I think that um, the legacy that the summit location will leave behind is going to be a very large one uh, and a very well-remembered one because, as you said, you know, so many artists have started their careers there. And I, I, honestly, when it comes to opening the Franklinton location, it sounds to me like this is going to be a better access for a lot of artists because there are a lot of artists who, you know, are struggling financially who live in Franklinton and even the mobility to be able to get to that venue is is very important and i think it'll it'll bring a lot of new access to a lot to a, a new pool of people um so i think that's a really positive change in uh in moving the location absolutely and have you uh, noticed that absolutely. factor already yeah, it, being it's true gonna, it's gonna be great yes absolutely so one of the things that we offer in terms of our monthly programs is a gallery show. And it's, it's interesting. Um, Wild Goose means so many things to so many different people because a lot of people access Wild Goose in a different capacity. For some, it's a place for speakeasy that they go every single, every, every Thursday. For some, it's, it's performances. And then for others, it's the gallery. So it's, it's interesting. A lot of people that I, talk to think that wild goose is just excuse me is just an art gallery but really that's only 10 percent of what we do um but i would say in terms of programming right now the art gallery has the gallery piece of what we do has been um, fairly consistent 
given all of the changes from COVID. So we've seen just by being at 400 West Rich, how amazing the community is for these gallery openings because of Franklinton Friday. I mean, people are walking around, they're visiting the studios and we finally have foot traffic. I mean, we never had foot traffic at Summit. And for, you know, one-time events, the summit location is fine because it's a destination, you know, you're going there and you're parking and staying there for a while. But for something like a gallery opening, there really wasn't anything else around. So I think there, the fact that there's such a creative ecosystem here in the sense of there's the galleries, there's studios and all the creativity, but there's also other things for people to do like bars and restaurants. And if you, you know, if you want a healthy arts district, you have to have a good combination of both. You know, you have to have other opportunities for people to come down here and kind of plan their evening. Um, so I, I think it's so exciting with Franklinton and there are people here that truly, that are in real estate, that are they're making these decisions at the table that want to preserve the authenticity of the arts here. And um, I think that's so exciting and, and what's, you know, a little different than the short North Arts District. Um, in terms of of that of the development of that area so i think there's a lot to be excited for uh especially when things get back to normal and we can all be in person again yeah when when we're finally out of this mess i'm definitely going to be uh passing by whenever um art galleries are going to be happening at the new location because you know like you said on at the summit location there wasn't really much foot traffic because of the nature of the area so um, you know, that's going to be way more conducive to a larger audience seeing things. Now, one aspect about Franklinton that I would like to ask you about is, um, are you concerned when it comes to further development of the community about any uh, risk of gentrification? That's a really great question. And it's definitely one that is always on the table um, in terms of of just talking about the role of art in in an area like this, it's really fascinating because I did study arts districts and the development of them and sort of the history of how they uh, arise in my my education. And so it's really cool because I get to kind of see that a little bit firsthand in the work that I'm doing here. Um, you know what what often happens with areas like this is, and you can see this across all cities in America and abroad internationally too, is that you have low income housing or a, a place that is cheap, I, I guess you could say, and artists move there uh, because of that. And then the culture then follows the artists, right? And then the businesses follow the culture and then the culture leaves. So I think um, it's really important, and, and this is this is a problem, and I would consider this to be under the umbrella of cultural policy, which is a whole area of study. But I think it's there's no answer because it is so complicated. You have market forces, like the people that have the money are making the decisions about real estate and development. You also have you know the artists in the community, and then. Beyond just the money itself, there's like, well, do artists really want to stay in a location, even if the rent is still low, do they want to stay in a, a location that has become, quote unquote, commercialized? Like, what does that mean? And how does that affect the artist's 
desire to stay in an area like that. So I, I feel like creating a, a perfect arts district is extremely hard because it can teeter on either side so quickly. Um, I think Franklinton is in a really interesting sweet spot right now where it's still a little bit underground, like it's still a little bit low key, but there's enough business down here to also support the artists. Because the thing is, it's like if you, you know, if you are an artist and you are creating work um, and you want to sell your work, right? Like how, how would you sell your work if you don't have an audience to see it? So by having other opportunities for people to visit this district, like the like the breweries and the and the rest, creates more of an audience for the for the artists. Now, so that's the artist piece of it. Um, in terms of the gentrification of the community of of Franklinton, obviously that that is a discussion that's being had. I think Wild Goose is in a really unique position to help bridge the gap between the residents of Franklinton and the arts district, because right now they are very separated and they're separated by the highway, frankly. Um, and so we did a lot of work last year in developing relationships with organizations in the residential area with schools um, like Homeless Families Foundation, Gladden Community House, to, just to figure out where, what are their needs? Like they understand the community, they understand the problems. How can we help? Like how can we utilize our resources and network to, to help create more of a dialogue between these two areas? Um, and we also interviewed probably 100 to 150 residents of Franklinton. And it was surprising, but also not so surprising that most of them didn't even know about the arts district, that they haven't even, haven't even heard about it. and. Um, I just think that that's so telling of like the fact that the people that live here don't participate in this area. They don't, it, it seems that they do not have a sense of community ownership of the arts district. And so we are so excited for the programs that will be supported by, um, supported by organizations like Cover My Meds to help bridge that gap. Um, so we are going to hopefully um, do a mural next year that will be created by and conceptualized and done by the residents of Franklinton. So it would probably be like a community of youth artists who are really interested in learning about murals that would work with a professional muralist from Columbus to help develop and conceptualize a mural on our space. So that's just one example of like a visual representation of more community ownership of this district. But ultimately it's like, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to understand what the problems are and help, you know, and help facilitate that. So we're currently right now working with the Franklinton high school to, um, to connect uh, artists with, with their school in some art programming, virtual art programming. Um, we just did a joint program with homeless family foundation. So, yeah, long story short, it's it's super exciting, um, but it's a challenging, it, you know, it is a really interesting question, and it's one that is going to be constantly evolving, um, and so we're just excited to be able to to offer the things that the community needs, if that oh. answers your question. <laughs> yes, it absolutely does. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. That's incredible work, and I think that all of that uh, attests 
to just the passion that the organization actually has for fostering that community, that sense of community um, within that area. Uh, you know, y'all really are a nonprofit. <laughs> That's what that tells me, uh, and, and you really believe in it. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm insanely excited, uh, at least to see that that mural and how that comes out, um, and just making at least part of Columbus feel a little bit more like people, you know, interact with each other on on a on a regular basis. You know what I mean? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Um, cool. And and in there, we're gonna we're gonna steer a little bit away from Wild Goose and more into uh, your um, your personal career, if that's okay. Um, sure. I wanted to ask about um, something that I saw on the Wild Goose website uh, that you did two years of research on cultural policy in Beijing, and I wanted to ask specifically about that because. Um, I, I wanted to know, did, did that focus at all on like the social credit system that they have going on right now? Or would, did you have a different <laughs> focus? So that's really funny. Um, I was in Beijing from 2015-ish to 2017. And that social credit system happened probably about a year after I left. So it's funny, Beijing, in China, things happen so fast, like in terms of social law and all of that because they can they can just instantly make make something into law um but the work that i did was really well it was part of my master's degree so i received my master's um from ohio state in mandarin chinese i studied chinese i've been studying for probably the past 15 years um i started when I was a freshman in high school, and I just fell in love with it. Um, my parents are both artists. I come from a very artistic family. My father is a professional jazz violinist and a fine arts professor by day, um, a really talented painter. And my mother, she was formerly the lead soprano of the Cleveland Opera um, about 10 years ago, and now she trains Broadway stars. Uh, wow. crazy <laughs> at uh, Baldwin Wallace yeah she, so Baldwin Wallace is actually the, the premier musical theater program in the country and she's um, a vocal coach so all of her students go on to Broadway it's that's incredible so I yeah so, so I like really grew up in that environment and um, also my grandparents were pretty well-known jazz musicians in New York City back in the day so I just grew up in the artistic environment and I, I feel, you know, I feel comforted by it, but I also feel challenged by it as well. And I thought Chinese was kind of like my niche. Um, I, I found it to be very artistic and not obviously in the written word. I wasn't as interested in that, but more of just the speaking of Chinese because it's a tonal language and I love to sing and, um, you know, I'm into theater and all of that. And, and I found to be, I found myself to be very good at the tones. Uh, and it just felt to me like it was singing. And so it kind of became my own unique art form in a sense, um, because I wanted to be a little different than, than my family and my parents, but I still wanted to have that kind of like creativity in my career. And so when I came to Ohio State, I knew that I wanted to pair Chinese with something. I just didn't know what. And 
arts management was a newly added major at OSU and I took that and it really just it 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 um it really kind of took the form of my of my career. I mean that's what I do for a living is arts management. So with my masters in Chinese um the the whole point of the masters program is that by the end of it you should be able to have a full working job speaking Chinese in China. So it's a very it's it's a it's a very professional degree um very much so a professional degree. And it was awesome because I was able to combine arts management with Chinese. Um so my research I wrote <laughs> have to flex because I forget that I did this, but I wrote <laughs> 80 pages in Chinese for my thesis. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> I got like, yeah. It's real. It is. It's extremely impressive because I I look back on it and I'm like, did I actually write this? Like, how <laughs> is that possible? Um, so so the the degree it's the, I mean so so the the thesis was in regards to two arts districts in Beijing. Beijing is really well known for their contemporary art scene. It's super cool. I love contemporary art. I love Chinese contemporary art. And um, yeah, I mean, I was I was essentially just looking at the whole process of the evolution of these two districts and and how they were similar and different. Um, and there are so many similarities to exactly what I described in Franklinton, even though it's you know thousands thousands of miles away. But it's really just like the creative spirit. You know, you could say artist-led gentrification or artist-led revitalization. It really depends on how you look at it. Um, and uh so yeah i mean it, it it's funny how things become full circle but um i had an internship there at the um today art museum which is china's top contemporary art museum that was really fascinating so i thought yeah so and then i came i came back in 2017 and i started with wild goose about three years ago so i've been here ever since <laughs> that's awesome I have to ask because this is such an interesting I'm I'm totally into like cross-cultural studies and stuff like that because I'm I'm a total like psych and, and, and sociology nerd so this is like super interesting to me um, what kind of similarities did you see and what kind of differences did you see just to go into those more specifically mm -hmm. yeah so I would say similarities would be the main one is just the the creative eco ecosystem of artists working together and wanting to be in a shared space and the 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 positive um aspects that come out of being in a shared space or you could say a commune and you can find that in so in in so many different areas um like take 400 west rich for example i mean artists like to be here because of the fact that it is a shared creative space and it's really fascinating this is the first time that i've spent time every single day in a creative collective space like this and you can totally see why artists would want to pay money to to be in, in an environment like this because it's just like it it's nice to be surrounded by other creatives um, and I think that there's just like a creative tendency for artists to want to to be in that environment. So I would say that is the same across all countries. I mean, at least um, when you compare America and China, 
the other thing is wanting to obviously be in a space that is accessible and 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 fairly cheap you know so um that's why you can see the beginnings of these arts districts happen when artists come into areas of, of low income housing uh and you know they create this 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 environment i would say the biggest difference is in regards to cultural policy and in regards to how money flows and the role of the government in the arts um in both positive and negative so for example i mean i think a lot of the, your probably first thought is oh the government censors um art in china and there's probably more of that going on it's that i found that to not necessarily be true um i think especially now you know there's there's so much creativity happening in china and there's less focus on censoring um art so really i i wouldn't say that that's a huge difference but the biggest difference is that the government has unlimited power authority and money so they can decide the they can decide the future of an arts district not the market um whereas the market decides the future of an arts district here so if the government wants to completely bulldoze an arts district they can do that they can completely displace all the artists if they wanted to the government can also if they want the arts district to thrive put tons of money into it provide lots of opportunities for their artists provide you know tax credits and 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 rent subsidies and all of that they can do that um and what you find was so interesting in beijing is that especially around 2008 in the um the same year as the Beijing Olympics they were realizing the impact of the arts scene and the arts district in terms of just in increasing their cultural diplomacy and like creative output and things like that and and how the and how the rest of the world saw them and creativity and and cultural products is is so important in all of that so I, you know and then the problem with the government not being so involved here is that it's if if the market decides to raise the rent or people come in and they buy all these properties um like you know Soho and you could say the the short north it's like there's nothing there to stop them there's there's no incentive for the government or for any of these uh, these entities to protect the integrity of the arts district so i would say those are the main similarities and differences and it's really fascinating and there's no answer but i think it's just it's it's an ongoing problem that i think could as we as we uh encounter these problems more and more because of development could hopefully find better solutions for now this brings up an important economics question for me personally um would you say that it is at all viable or even desirable um to have an arts district be dictated by the market um considering the fact that art is such an, a subjective thing and that not all art is made for all people <laughs> you know what i mean of course um i think it is extremely beneficial to have the arts um whether or not you know depending on what it is like it really doesn't matter but to have an arts scene and to have an economy that is um related to the arts scene is so important because 
the spending dollar goes beyond the art itself. You have people, for example, who purchase tickets to see the ballet in Columbus. Well, they're also going to be purchasing, maybe they're going to go out to dinner beforehand, have some cocktails, maybe they're traveling, maybe they're coming in from outside of the, outside of the city and they're staying in a hotel. So the money that is spent on cultural products or things like that is, it goes beyond, you know, it goes beyond just the product itself. And also it creates a brand identity. It helps to increase tourism and like bring people to, to the city. And I think Columbus has and is continuing to struggle in figuring out who are, what our identity is. Like, who are we? We are, we are, you know, the test city, quote unquote, like we've got so many cool ideas and things happening here. Like I would say the entrepreneurial scene is very much um, similar to the creative scene here, but it's just like, who are we? Like, what's our story? And I think the Columbus make arts, Columbus makes art, art makes Columbus campaign is a great example of how the city like put money into ad buys to really start to brand um, us in the, in the sense of like, we are a creative city and there is so much art happening here and being made here. So yes, I think uh, economically speaking, the arts protecting the arts is really important. I don't know if that answered your question or if I like, if I completely like. <laughs> no, you did actually answer my question. Um, and I, I was expecting a different answer actually, um, only because I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased against uh, capitalism myself, but uh, <laughs> that's actually a really interesting perspective <laughs> to hear because uh, it's not often that I hear um, that being posed as a positive aspect for the arts community. And so that actually gives mm -hmm. me a little bit more hope when it comes to the development of it. So um, thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the thing is, is that there, it, does art even exist if there's, if there's no one there to see it? And I think the main aspect of, of arts management and truly like the heart of it is connecting arts and the people. And you do that by, by offering other opportunities, you know, for people to, to have an experience. Um, so yes. And I think, uh, well, you have to look, I'd have to look at the reports, but I mean, the arts brings in probably, I think over a billion dollars in, in, um, economic spending every year in Columbus. Don't quote me on that, but it's really high. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Save your loss, be save yourself, desire leaves you empty. Can you feel what you have taken under? Is it worth regretting? Yet, yeah, yes, the less that you have, the more you want it. Simple, cannot say it. We're tempted to take everything I love, turn it to action, run. You can't tell me I can't, I guess. Truth, beauty is the sickness in disguise. I'll play the fluke, litter in the lies, until the lies become the truth. Until the lies become the truth. Skulls for Grenades, BBEP, October 30th, SXFXG, all streaming platforms. Get 20% off all merch, exclusively for Gab Street listeners. Use code GAB at our band camp. Now, see.
cool. Okay. Um, what are some of your favorite memories uh, from working at Wild Goose over the last three years? Say just, um, just meeting really awesome people and becoming friends with them. Like I, I think it's it's a really special thing where the people that I work with or the artists that I talk to become my friends. You know, I don't know that this is truly my first career, so I don't have a lot of other work experience um, beyond Wild Goose. But I, I think that that's a really special thing. And um, these friendships, you know, are so important to me. And I am so grateful that Wild Goose has been a place where I can meet people that are very like-minded to me. And um, so that and just when I come in to an event that's happening and I can, you know, there, it's just like there's so much day-to-day -day grind that you sometimes forget about the magic that Wild Goose can provide. and. So just when I come in and I see events happening um, or I'm like standing in the back and, and it, it's just, it's, it's nice because I, um, I remember the, the value of wild goose and, and why we're here. Wonderful. That's a great answer. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I share the same kind of uh, favorite memories of even just doing this show as you do with, uh, with wild goose it's it's all about the cool people that you meet through it and i think that's the most fulfilling aspect mm -hmm. so i definitely agree with you on that um absolutely let's see here what would you say other than covid because it's the biggest challenge everyone can think of what would you say over the past three years uh is the largest challenge that uh wild goose has had to deal with so far I mean, I would definitely say, um, hands down, because we we were so integral in building up that community there on Summit and Hudson. Uh, I really, I mean, I wasn't around <laughs> while Goose in 2008, but from the stories that I've heard, we really were kind of the first to come into that neighborhood and lots of other businesses followed. And I like to think that a lot of it is because of Wild Goose. Um, and so we had a, a true investment in that in that community and, and figuring out, you know, how do we leave that community? Like, how, how do we best do that was super challenging. And I think that um, COVID presented an opportunity to really make this move in an interesting way because we just weren't having events anymore. No, I mean, nobody was there. Nobody was in the space. Um, and so I definitely, and I think that that was just the hardest, like Wild Goose was founded um, by six people. They were all um, theater majors together and they decided to start Wild Goose Creative back, I think in 2006 was the first event they ever had, I think in someone's basement, one of the founders basements, because they saw an opportunity for a multidisciplinary community arts organization in Columbus because at the time there was lots of small things happening here and there in the art scene but nothing really like cohesively bringing it together and so Wild Goose was able to succeed I think a large part because because of the time and place you know a nonprofit organization like ours would have a hard maybe a hard time succeeding succeeding in, in other cities but I but 
Columbus was such a great, um, a great opportunity for that. And so, yeah, you know, it was just like over a decade of memories in that space and having to, to change, um, to leave was definitely challenging for us. But I would say, um, you know, day to day, the biggest challenges for, for me and for us is just providing enough resources and like being there for, for the artists that we serve and um, just wanting to continue to provide the space and resources for the creative community and continuing to be relevant. And, and I think that that has been the hardest part of this year is who are we if we're not a space? Who are we if we're not four walls? that people can rent out to, to start a business or to have a, their first performance ever, their first gallery show. Like, so having to kind of navigate that has been, has been hard, but it's also provided awesome, awesome opportunities and like cool things. I mean, we had wild art Columbus, which is our major fundraiser every year. We did that online and we actually made a lot more money than we usually do because we didn't have expenses. And we've been able to pivot and, and do some creative things online, which I'm so grateful for our board of directors and our committees and everybody that helps make all that happen. Um, so there is still so much to be grateful for. And we're excited, excited for the future. There's always challenges with nonprofits, <laughs> always, no matter if it's COVID or not. Wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that despite all of that, that you're still looking forward to the future. That's, that's awesome. I want to ask specifically, what, what is something about the wild, the future of wild goose that you were looking forward to the most? I would say the community engagement that we are going to start in Franklinton. Um, I, to me, that's the vision of wild goose. We have always been a place where um, people have not so much in the beginning, but after we got started you know people were coming to us um but i think we can now utilize our resources to go to the people and really be more um, active in the community and create programming from you know the the, the ground, from the top down that's just that's needed uh so yeah i would say just connecting this connecting franklinton the arts district with um, the residents in the community is what I'm most excited about because it is such a huge need. And like, for, for example, we took some students from the Homeless Families Foundation a few weeks ago. We took them throughout the art studios here in Franklinton and they had the best time. I mean, they just, you know, they had never seen the art studios here and kind of like realizing that you can pursue a career in the arts. Um, and offering mentorship opportunities. We're going to begin a, a mentorship program next year where we pair students in Franklinton with a mentor um, and they, the mentor helps them conceptualize a gallery show or a performance or something. And then they will, you know, have an opening or, or a performance. So mentorships, connection, and just, just all of that is, I'm so excited. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm excited to see all of that coming out of there, too. Um, I'll, be, I'll be definitely keeping myself updated when it comes to the future of Wild Goose. Uh, and hopefully, uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, I'd like to be involved. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be Please. talking to you oh about my God, that soon. Of course. <laughs> you should do some live podcasting. We would love to have like a podcast station or something in our new space. I think that'd be so awesome. 
That would be wonderful. I'd be willing to discuss that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, how can people find and support you in Wild Goose? Uh, you can learn more about us at wildgoosecreative.org. And if you want to connect with me, uh, my email is lydia at wildgoosecreative.org. We are also on Instagram, Wild Goose Creative, and Facebook and all of that. Um, right now, you know, we are a nonprofit, so any gift that you, you provide to us goes directly to support our operations. And you can become a member of Wild Goose for as little as $5 a month. And there's some really cool benefits to that on our website. So you can find more about it at wildgoosecreative.org slash support. Wonderful. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to cover before we wrap up? I just want to say thank, thank you for providing this opportunity for me to talk about Wild Goose. And I hope that I, you know, I just want to, for all of your listeners, we um, are truly like we're here to help you and support you. Um, in whatever creative endeavor you have. And we rent our space out for a really discounted rate. And our new space is going to be awesome. Huge stage, way bigger than the one we had at, at Summit. So it's going to be great. And um, we want to be there to help you in, in whatever you need. So feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Do you have any last minute shout outs to make? Um, I mean, I would just shout out to anyone who's ever done an event at Wild Goose. Thank you for supporting us. And we really hope to see you again in the future. And we're going to have a big opening party whenever it's safe to do it. <laughs> yes, wonderful. I'll try and be there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on this week. This has been wonderful. Um, and thank you, listeners, for listening this week. Uh, we will be catching you again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., just like every week. And uh, we'll see you then. Thank you very much.